It's well known that many composers have been inspired to write works for highly talented instrumentalists they admire and respect. That was certainly the case with Mozart and his friend to the end, clarinetist Anton Stadler, who was a great artist who could, as Martha Ward tells us, give Mozart what perhaps no other player of the time could. Not quite so with Mozart and the flute. There seemed to have been some decent players in the court orchestras of his day, but Mozart, we're told, was grumpy about the subpar performing of many amateur flutists in the land, except perhaps for one, the eminent flutist Johann Baptist Wendling. We learn that Mozart wrote the solo flute part of a Sinfonia Concertante that was apparently lost along the way for Wendler. It seems Mozart deemed him, Wendling, one of the best musicians of the time. And so, the great Mozart, inspired by virtuosic and expressive players who could interpret his music in an unequaled way. That brings us to today. As it happens, the 36th Annual Northeast Pennsylvania Bach Festival, presented by the Arcadia Chorale, will take the shape it does this year because, as we'll soon learn, music director Matthew Rupsich was inspired by a virtuosic and truly expressive flutist named Eduardo. Eduardo will be featured in music of Mozart and Johann Sebastian Bach as well. The festival will take place in Scranton this Saturday and Sunday. And Matthew Rupsich paid a visit to the WVIA studios to talk with us about the Bach Festival and its importance to him as the relatively new music director of the Arcadia Chorale. In many ways, I inherited the concert program from the Arcadia Chorale. But why do this program? It's important to do these serious works to give an opportunity to give them, I'll say, credit and an opportunity to be performed. The rest of the repertoire that we do throughout the season is, I wouldn't say lighter, but it's all art music, but it's not serious art music as the Bach Festival. And it's important to bring this kind of music to the audience here in Northeast Pennsylvania that may not have opportunities to hear this repertoire. It gives an opportunity for the singers of the Arcadia Kral for a little bit more of a challenge to uh, sing this repertoire. And frankly, I come from a background of classical music. I studied classical music as a pianist. I played Bach growing up, as well as other composers. My undergraduate was at Peabody Conservatory, and again, focusing all on classical music. Yes, art music and secular art music, but the bulk of my training is classical music. So I love that I'm able to bring my experiences and expertise to to this as well. So no, I don't want this to go any go anywhere. This is, a, a, as you say, an institution, and I'm really happy to have it here. And the wonderful thing about a composer who is singular in this way, celebrated in festival form, is that Bach is many-sided. 
And so a listener can have a wide-ranging experience even in two days with one composer. Yes, within our two-day festival, we have an organ recital, we have a chamber music concert, and then we have the chorale concert. So what's wonderful is there's three opportunities to hear this serious music. Let's go chronologically. The organ concert is what gets things underway, and we ask you to introduce us to the guest organist this year. Exactly. So we're very fortunate to have... Christopher Johnson in our area. He is the director of music and organist at Covenant Presbyterian Church here in Scranton. And he's a a relatively new member of, I'll say, our musical community here. He was in New York City as director of music at Riverside Church. One of the things, besides being the organist and director of music at Covenant, he's also the director of chapel music at the Inner Church Center in New York City on the Upper West Side. What's interesting about him Also, just a little bit about his background. He's a flautist. He's a violist. He's played professionally in different orchestras as soloists, as well as members within the section or leading those sections. And a little side thing that I like to say is he's also a pilot, which is pretty amazing. I don't know how he does what he does. It's pretty amazing. But yes, he's our guest organist for our concert that is on Saturday afternoon at four o'clock at the Elm Park United Methodist Church here in Scranton. And again, it's at four o'clock. He has a grand program uh, set up doing uh, music of Bach, as well as George Shearing, Yunigan, as well as uh, Marchand. And uh, the Bach piece that he's doing is entitled Come Sweet Death, Come Blessed Rest, as well as Olam Gottes Unschuldig, BWV 656, which will be really lovely. Something I'd like to highlight, he's doing two preludes on two American hymn tunes, which will be nice to hear, especially on that fabulous organ. Uh, The two tunes, So Fades the Lovely Blooming Flower, as well as I Love Thee, My Lord. Two beautiful pieces based on those folk or hymn tunes, which would be lovely. Um, So Saturday evening, after the organ concert, we move to the chamber music concert. The chamber music concert is a wonderful opportunity for the members of the Arcadia Festival Orchestra to have an opportunity to play chamber music together. And we highlight that by uh, offering a concert on that uh, Saturday evening, again on the 25th, and it'll be at 7.30 p.m. at Covenant Presbyterian Church. Thomas Heinz is the artistic director for that program, and he put a splendid program together with his colleagues. It begins with uh, a Mozart piece, uh, Di Vermento, in E-flat major. This piece is a large-scale string trio written in 1788. A lot of times people think of uh, Di Vermento as a lighthearted, kind of spirited piece. It is a grand piece. It has six movements, and it's about 45 minutes long, but we are only doing three movements of, of the work. And what's interesting to note is that Mozart was one of the first composers to write music for violin, viola, and cello. Particularly this piece, the premiere took place in Dresden, in Germany, in 1789, with the composer playing viola. Um, we moved to having Sophie Till, a violinist, and Christian Oppenheimer Weide cello playing together. They'll be playing uh, a Ravel piece, a Sonata for Violin and Cello. Now, this piece is an interesting piece. In 1920, Ravel was commissioned by the French journal La Revue Musicale to write a commemorating piece for Claude Debussy. So this is in honor of Claude Debussy. Originally, the piece was just a duo, since we have a cellist and a, a violinist. What's interesting about the Ravel piece that it explores different textures between the two instruments, focusing on different types of pizzicato as well as um, different harmonics from, from the pieces. And what's also interesting is Ravel places the ranges of the instruments at different times at, a, at the same, let's say, range, same range and pitch. 
And so it, that offers different kinds of colors between the two instruments. So that'll be, that's the second piece on the chamber music concert. We then move to uh, the Beverly Trio. Now, the Beverly Trio is a trio formed by Tom Heinz, who plays oboe, Harold Levin, who plays viola, and Gail Kleber, who plays cello. They have been playing together for quite a long time. I don't know why, but I, part of me wants to say decades. They're good friends as well as they travel together. They set up a concert series in Canada together, and they perform frequently um, with us here in, in the Nipah area. What's really interesting uh, about this piece is that as you know, many times there are many different forms of pieces written during the Baroque period. For instance, it could be an organ sonata, but sometimes it would be later transcribed into another work, like a trio sonata that, that this piece is. This particular piece, BWV 527, is the third in a collection of six organ sonatas and, and utilizing, uh, utilizing material from other works that Bach used in cantatas or organ or chamber works. This piece particularly has been transcribed by Thomas Heinz, the oboist, which is great. He and Harold and Gail, they all do that together, which is nice how they do that. And interesting enough, just a side note, Tom has actually transcribed all six organ sonatas for the Beverly Trio, which is nice. So this is one of the trio sonatas that they'll be performing for us. Next, I'm really excited to welcome Greg Hulse, oboist. He has been playing with us for a while but just due to programming, we haven't utilized him in this setting of the chamber music concert. So he's new to the chamber music concert number. We really are excited and we welcome having him here. This particular piece is an oboe sonata in G minor with Greg, as I mentioned, at the oboe. Tsukasa Waltich is our accompanist with Arcadia, and she'll be accompanying Greg on the harpsichord with this piece. And also Peter Brubaker, who's a cellist, a wonderful cellist in the area, will be joining Greg with this oboe sonata in G minor. So this piece was originally attributed to J.S. Bach, but after uh, research, we have learned that it's actually from his son, Carl Philip Emanuel Bach. And it's an, another interesting sort of facet with this piece. This may have come from another sonata uh, of a flute sonata. So as I said, people borrow and steal from their own as well as others, and that, that has happened here. Lastly, we are having uh, for the chamber music concert a flute quartet in D major by Mozart. Um, this piece will have Ed Wargo flute, John Vida, who's violinist, Peggy McAdams viola, and Peter Brubaker again on cello. This is kind of an interesting, funny story. Mozart wrote in a letter to his father in February of 1778 that he could not abide the flute as a solo instrument. He he expressed that. In my words, I guess he didn't like it or wasn't, wasn't a favorable to him. But then what's interesting, he later produced four quartets for flute, as well as two flute concertos and a double concerto for flute and harp. <laughs> so you kind of want to say, what was that about? <laughs> Which we don't know, unfortunately, but you know we have that in that letter. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful work. And basically all, all players are given equal, substantial, independent lines and equal partnership within the piece. So it's a really well-balanced piece. Even though it's a flute quartet, it really is a, it could be considered a flute, violin, viola, and cello quartet. <laughs> then we have the choral concert the following day. Exactly. So on Sunday afternoon, on the 26th at 3 p.m., uh, we have the choral concert with the Arcadia Chorale and the Arcadia Festival Orchestra. This is at uh, 3 p.m. at Covenant Presbyterian Church. I'd like to tell you a little bit about the genesis of this program. Last year, 
was the first year after the pandemic that we had a live performance with the NEPA Bach Festival. It was my introduction in many ways to some of the players and getting to know them. One particular player, Ed Wargo, a flautist who is on the faculty at Marywood University as well as other wonderful positions, played for the chamber music concert. And it, like all the players whom I love and adore in the Arcadia Festival Orchestra, splendid, gifted, talented players, it was my first opportunity to hear Ed. And I was pretty, uh, I almost want to use the term shocked. I was pretty amazed. And I loved his playing. His tone production was was great. And including members of the crowd, and as well as the other orchestra, would talk about Ed's playing. So it was nice to you know hear it in live for the first time. So frankly, I made a point that this year, I wanted to find a piece to highlight Ed. I wanted to see if this could happen because I really enjoyed his playing. He should not just play on the chamber music concert. He should have an opportunity for the chorale concert. So I learned that Johann Sebastian Bach's Himmelfahrt's Oratorium, BWV 11, is scored for two flutes. So I said, this is what I'm going to go for. I really wanted uh, to do that because it gives him an opportunity and I knew Ed could help me find another player. <laughs> so I decided that that was going to be my anchor piece. So the Himmelfahrt's Oratorium is the Ascension Oratorio. And so then it got me thinking about how could that be the anchor piece and how could I create a program around that? So what I started uh, focusing on was that how could I tell the story of Christ's journey after Palm Sunday, so through Holy Week and through the Ascension, telling that story, that human story, through the eyes of classical music. And then I said, well, wouldn't it be wonderful not just to do Bach, but to add different composers to get their, like a better words, feel for Christ's journey through Holy Week. So what I started with is Selig sind die Toten by Heinrich Schütz. And this particular piece just focuses on, let's say, one's faith. One's faith. It's a motet scored for uh, six voices. The piece was first published in 1648. It's a sacred piece taken from the Book of Revelation, uh, of course, sung in German. So we start with the Selig sind die Toten, is focusing on faith. Then, of course, if we're dealing with Holy Week, we have to focus on Christ's crucifixion. So now we move to Antonio Lotti's Crucifixus uh, for eight voices. It's considered his most famous work. He was born in Venice, and uh, later he began his musical studies as a choir boy at St. Mark's in, of course, Venice in, in the Basilica, which is interesting. Later, he became the Kapellmeister at St. Mark's in 1736. This piece comes from a larger work, the Credo in F, which is actually part of a regular mass setting by Lotti. The crucifixus of a mass setting is considered to be the most sacred part of the mass. It, it talks about specifically Christ's crucifixion and death. It's a very serious work. Uh, stirring work, lovely work, some chromaticism that challenges the listener to understand, again, this pain that Christ went through through his crucifixion. So it's really, really stunning. It's a stunning work. We then move to the Austrian composer Anton Bruckner, his setting of Christus Factus Est. This particular piece is based on Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Bruckner set three versions of the Christus Factus Est. 
And we're actually, the Arcadia Chorale is singing the third setting, which was composed in 1894. Bruckner was born in 1824. He was brought up in an educated household because his father was a schoolmaster. But unfortunately, his father died when he was 13. So what happened is Bruckner was sent off to a boarding school named Zankt Florian. But fortunately then, that's where he learned his good musical training as, as a choir boy. Um, this piece, the Christus Factusnes, we have now moved into the Romantic period and is considered to be Romantic for many reasons, let alone the date that Bruckner wrote it. But here's again, wide use of ranges, incredible varied dynamics. Like within one measure, you might be going from piano to forte really quickly. And uh, the Kral, I will say, is eating this up. They really enjoy this. They're, they're really singing their hearts out on this. It's, it's a really wonderful work. And typically, just to put it in the context of Holy Week, this piece is typically sung on a Monday, Thursday. Um, so, you know, we're moving through Holy Week with this. From there, we move to focus on Jesus's mother, uh, focusing on the Stabat Mater. Stabat Mater in G minor, Opus 138 by Reinberger. This piece is, is another romantic piece set by Reinberger. He actually set two Stabat Mater is about 20 years apart. The first one was Opus 16, and the later one is Opus 138, which is the one we're doing. This piece that we're doing, setting of the same text, but 20 years later, is a, I wouldn't say a chamber work, but is it's a liturgical work supposed to be sung during a liturgical worship service. And that's very intentional on Reinberger. He wanted this done in a liturgical setting. I find it interesting, just a, as a caveat, so we're performing it in a performance setting, but at a church. So <laughs> it's a mishmash of the two, if you would. And specifically, the Stabat Mater is, is what we call one of the sequences of the Catholic Church. And it describes the pain and suffering of Mary, um, mother of Jesus, as she witnesses her son's crucifixion. Then we move to uh, Regina Zöli by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. And uh, yes, we're doing it in German Latin. And uh, this piece, uh, again, Mozart, interesting enough, composed three settings of this work. And it was originally composed in Salzburg. This particular piece is really different written than, let's say, other, let's say, mass settings or anything, even though this is not a mass. But the four soloists that will be coming from the chorale, how uh, it's formatted within the piece, it's very much interwoven into the piece where the chorus is singing, then the solos are singing, then the chorus is singing. So it just overlaps each other and it's really quite lovely. So it's not a standalone, let the quartet, let's say, and typically in a mass would be the Benedictus or something, but not here. It, it's just blended beautifully how, how Mozart writes this. And this is a resurrection text. So now we're at the resurrection and it uh, specifically focuses on the queen of the heavens, the Virgin Mary. So a beautiful piece, it's uh, set for small orchestra as well as organ and, of course, the chorale and the soloist. So a nice, in some ways, nice small chamber work, which is really, really lovely. We then have our intermission, and then we come back after intermission and we do the Bach. Um, so here we're doing, as mentioned earlier, the Himmelfahrt's Oratorium and BWV number 11. This piece is specifically, as we said, the Ascension Oratorio. So this piece is supposed to be performed 40 days after the resurrection. So that's when we have been told it was Christ's ascension. And it's a, a beautiful work set with uh, nine movements. And this piece was written for the St. Thomas Kirche 
in Germany. I have to say on a personal note, when I was in my early 20s, I had an opportunity to uh, go to St. Thomas Kirche, and that's where Bach is buried, entombed, if I should say, right on the altar. He's right there. And um, it's very moving. And it's very moving to be in places where I know that pieces have been written for or commissioned by or performed in or premiered in. And then for me to have this opportunity to do it here in Northeast Pennsylvania is, is pretty special. So it's nice to have that. Uh, but this was originally performed, as I mentioned, uh, St. Thomas Kirche in Leipzig in May of 1735. It's a celebratory work. It's, it talks about Christ's ascension. Interesting enough, the librettist for this piece is unknown. There are certain uh, attributes to nothing confirmed. Of course, there's a sacred text in this, um, but it's also the sacred text is based on gospels, but also a few added secular phrases to, to complete the cantata. A portion of the music in the oratorio is pulled from other aspects of Bach. It should be noted that the, the opening chorus is modeled after the first movement of the cantata Froer Tag Verlangte Stunden, which is BWV number 18, which was composed in 1732. There is a soprano aria in this, and this was taken from the wedding serenata of Auf süß entzückende Gewalt. And what's probably the most famous movement out of this Himmel Oratorium is actually the fourth movement, which is an alto aria. And the alto aria also appeared as the Agnus Dei in the Bach B minor mass. It's a gorgeous movement, and uh, it's just sort of I won't say it's the centerpiece of the piece because it's not, but it is um, musically just a, a really heart-wrenching, beautiful work. I'm happy to share that in the whole program for the chorale concert that all the soloists are coming from the chorale. So we're not just highlighting the amazing instrumentalists that make up the Arcadia Festival Orchestra, but we're also highlighting these incredible singers from the chorale that you know have stepped up to learn these arias and perform them well. So that, that ends the festival. So we end with the Ascension Oratorio by Johann Sebastian Bach. And how does the oratorio end? Are we like his circle of disciples left looking up? How does he leave us? No, this is interesting. It's a great question. So the first half of the oratorio focuses on Jesus's ascension into heaven. The second part of the oratorio and how it ends focuses on the angel's message to the disciples, reassuring them that Jesus will come again. So it's very interesting. It's not all focusing on the ascension, but it's also of, if you would, the second coming or Christ's potential coming again. You know, we're very lucky. I'm, I'm very lucky. We have talked about this before, Erica, but Northeast Pennsylvania is a small gem, a small mecca of these great musicians here, great singers, great instrumentalists. And we have the support of WVIA, which we're so grateful for. But there's, there's a wonderful community here. And with me moving out of the New York City and stuff coming here, I didn't, ex I didn't expect this, to be honest. And it's, it's wonderful. And it, what's nice about it is I keep getting surprised, which I love. And I'm really fortunate to be the you know, music director with Arcadia Corral and to work with these fine musicians in the area. Matthew Rupsich, music director and conductor of the Arcadia Corral speaking with us about the annual Northeast Pennsylvania Bach Festival taking place this weekend in Scranton. Saturday at 4 p.m., March 25th, it's the traditional organ recital, this time with Christopher Johnson at Elm Park Methodist Church, Linden Street. Saturday evening at 7.30, it's the traditional chamber music concert 
with members from the Arcadia Festival Orchestra and the music director is Tom Hines. That concert will be held at Covenant Presbyterian Church, Madison Avenue in Scranton. And then Sunday, March 26th at 3 in the afternoon, the Arcadia Chorale and Friends will present the Ascension Oratorio of Johann Sebastian Bach. The choral concert will have music of Heinrich Schütz, Antonio Lotti, Anton Bruckner, and Josef Reinberger, Mozart as well. And, of course, the culminating piece, the Ascension Oratorio of Bach. The organ recital is free, and there are tickets available for the chamber music concert and the chorale concert. And for all the details, online, arcadiachorale.org, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, arcadiachorale.org. The annual Northeast Pennsylvania Bach Festival presented by the Arcadia Chorale under the music direction of Matthew Rupsich. Saturday, March 25th at 4, the organ recital at Elm Park Methodist Church with Christopher Johnson. Saturday, March 25th at 7.30 in the evening, the chamber music concert with members from the Arcadia Festival Orchestra at Covenant Presbyterian Church. And then Sunday, March 26th at 3 in the afternoon, it is the Arcadia Chorale Concert at Covenant Presbyterian Church, Madison Avenue in Scranton. For more information on the web, arcadiachorale.org. <laughs>